Hi, I'm Jordani Karma, and I've loved to read ever since I can remember. But somewhere between college and the real world, I miss the memo on what I could be reading as an adult. For years, I thought of adult fiction as this book's secret that everyone was in on but me. I decided to change that by focusing on fiction for a year and choosing books based on a specific genre or theme for each month. This is season one, episode seven of Reading Like an Adult, and we're going to talk about thrillers. As I've mentioned in earlier episodes, I leaned a lot on the Goodreads app to help me find books that I wanted to read and keep track of a good long reading list. There was something really freeing about being able to press a button and immediately save all the information about the book. In the past, I was literally writing down titles and authors in a physical notebook, and while I love a notebook, for keeping track of reading lists, it was just really limiting. If you want something besides Goodreads, I would recommend at least using Evernote or another option that lets you easily type in or copy and paste titles. I spent months hitting the want to read button on titles I thought looked intriguing, with no idea when I would actually get around to reading them. At some point, I eventually had an 800-something book want to read list, and whenever I looked at it, I got super overwhelmed. I would skim down the list and see a contemporary adult novel that sounded good, but then I would see a young adult novel with a fun cover and want to read that. It was too distracting for me to have a list that mixed all genres and age demographics, so I invested time into sorting my list into nonfiction, adult fiction, YA fiction, middle grade fiction. This approach worked for me. I think all adult readers can and should feel free to pick up any of these genres. Children's books aren't just for kids but keeping my list distinct helps me to start somewhere. Now, on to this episode's reading theme, thrillers. First of all, I'll say that yes, I read Gone Girl. It was a completely stressful and terrifying reading experience that I never want to replicate, but at the same time, I'm glad I read it because the execution was so well done, and it was just one of those once-in-a-generation shocking plot twists runaway bestseller type of deals that you don't want to miss out on if you're as big a reader as I am. That being said, I was very nervous about approaching this genre because I remember being unable to stop reading Gone Girl while also dreading the turn of every page because, spoiler alert, the characters are pretty terrible to each other. What I wasn't prepared for is how bored I was while starting several different thrillers. I struggled with this genre in the beginning of the month because the kind of thriller where normal people end up murdering each other tends to have a lot of setup. The books I was picking up would have this dramatic prologue and then they would move into an ordinary mundane existence with regular people where you just can't imagine them coming back around to that really dramatic opening scene. I'm not going to name titles because I didn't finish those books and they weren't the right fit for me at the time. I think my struggle was that the style of writing wasn't character-driven enough to keep me interested, and yet the exciting, thrillery parts of the book weren't happening yet. This month was yet another reminder to me that it's more than okay to put down books when they're making me unhappy about the thought of reading. That's where I was stuck for a few weeks. I was also trying to work with what my library overdrive had available for the genre, and even though I'm super grateful for being able to download books and the comfort and safety of my own home, it was definitely a limiting factor. Ideally, if you don't know if this genre is for you yet, I would recommend bringing home a big stack of options from the library. 
The other part of my struggle with thrillers was simply that truth is stranger than fiction, and I've read a lot of fascinating nonfiction. I found myself wondering why I was reading fictional thrillers when nonfiction is both real and way weirder and more thrilling. The Radium Girls, The Dark Story of America's Shining Women, the story of the factory women who were slowly poisoned and killed by their work painting luminous dials on watches was one of my most memorable reads from last year. That was the corporate true crime thriller that had me hooked. And of course, I found myself asking, will any murder thriller be as intriguing and suspenseful and tragic as Michelle McNamara's I'll Be Gone in the Dark? But before I gave up on thrillers, I discovered a subgenre that hooked me. I'm going to call it literary, true crime-esque, psychological suspense. Think highly written, character-driven, thoughtful, but with an I-can't-stop-reading-because-I-need-to-know-what-happens-next page-turning quality. This sort of book explores human nature in an intriguing and nuanced way, and is more about internal change and discovery than shocking plot twists. As I've mentioned before, I really struggle with books where people are physically in danger, and it also helped a lot that this kind of book doesn't overly dwell on violence and yet is also brutally honest about human failings. To get specific, let's start with Tana French's first two books in her Dublin Murder Squad series, In the Woods and The Likeness. In the Woods is ostensibly about the murder of a little girl and the two Dublin Murder Squad detectives who are determined to find her killer. Rob is living with a secret under a new name that distances him from his past as the traumatized 12-year-old whose two childhood friends disappeared in the woods one day, the same woods where the little girl from the latest murder squad case was found dead. Cassie is his partner and best friend, and their uniquely close relationship is something the rest of the murder squad envies and gossips about. As Rob and Cassie try to piece together what happened to the child victim, they find themselves getting uncomfortably close not only to the case but also to Rob's memories, or lack thereof, about what happened that fateful summer evening when he was the only member of a trio to come home. Without giving any spoilers, I'll say that The Likeness is sort of a companion sequel but also a standalone story, told from Cassie's perspective. I was tempted to skip straight to The Likeness because I know it's especially beloved among French fans, but I'm so glad I didn't. I strongly recommend reading them in order because In the Woods has some vital emotional setup that makes the likeness that much better, and it's a book you want to be ready to read. I wouldn't want you to miss out on that kind of payoff. Because French knows her craft. Both of these books have beautiful structure and pacing. They read like true crime, but they don't overly linger on violence or ever feel gratuitous or voyeuristic. And yet they also don't shrink from revealing how monstrous and strange seemingly ordinary people can be. The plot twists are so good, delivering on her setup and giving that surprising yet inevitable ending that is so satisfying that it almost feels like too much for the writing to be as beautiful as it is. The subgenre feels like true crime, but because these books are fiction, they're able to relate truths about humanity in a way that feels truer and more complete than real life which I think is the point of a novel. In a fictional crime story, you get to wrap up the case neatly after characters have gone through intense internal change on their journey. I'd Know You Anywhere by Laura Lipman was another beautiful and moving example of this subgenre. Eliza Benedict has a peaceful life, loving husband, two kids they adore, a home in the suburbs. Sometimes it feels as if the summer when she was kidnapped by Walter Bowman never happened. 
but when she receives a letter in the mail from Walter, who has been on death row since he was convicted of rape and murder, Eliza is transported back to being 15 and on the run as Walter's hostage for nearly six weeks. He says he wants contact before he's finally executed for the murder of his last victim. Eliza only wants to stay in the safe life she's cultivated and protected, but as Walter keeps circling closer, she's forced to contend with her memories and to decide if she will face him one more time. Lipman notes in the acknowledgments that the idea for this book was originally sparked by a true crime story, although it's no longer recognizable in the novel form, and I think that starting point helped give I'd Know You Anywhere the emotional heft of a real survivor story. While the facts of the case are made up, it's a story that has happened to real people, and Lipman explores it with grace and nuance. This episode's reading inspiration is to set small goals. When I decided I was going to read adult fiction and stretch myself by trying books I wouldn't have picked up before, I made the goal to read at least one title from my list each month from beginning to end. That's it. One book. I've been so lucky in my reading list this year, and so far I've ended up exceeding that number, but I always know my concrete goal has been met when I finish that first read, and it takes any unnecessary pressure off my reading life. Thanks for listening. The books mentioned in this episode were Gone Girl by Jillian Flynn, The Radium Girls, The Dark Story of America's Shining Women by Kate Moore, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, One Woman's Obsessive Search for the Golden State Killer by Michelle McNamara, In the Woods and the Likeness, both by Tana French, and I'd Know You Anywhere by Laura Lippman. You can visit readinglikeanadult.com for the show notes. This episode was written, narrated, and produced by me. I'm Jordan Karma, and I'm glad you're joining me on this reading journey. In the next episode, we'll talk about science fiction and alternative history.